You are now listening to part two of our recap of uh, an absolutely bananas game. I mean, just absurd between George Washington and UVA, um, a game in which we saw some of the most composure um, I think that has ever been seen from a GW basketball team, uh, at least since, I, I don't know, when you're talking about composure. I, I mean, the wins against Creighton and Wichita State were great in the Lonergan, Lonergan era, but um, to do what they did at home with all the pressure and with the talent that's on that UVA squad, um, this is almost like the level of composure necessary to come back from a what the was it that you know what the, the the Washington Post from this game is on my wall uh it was a 19 18 point deficit that GW came back from in that first round game against UNC Wilmington in the 2006 NCAA tournament um they did what they needed to do to hold on they fought back when they needed to fight back um just an absolutely fantastic game uh so so proud for everyone on this team um and they played with reckless abandon they played with confidence they played with swagger and uh if this is a foreboding for things to come um we may really need to collectively reevaluate our expectations uh i was wrong i'm very very happy that i was wrong and uh it really really was a thing of beauty uh i'm now going to introduce you to the second interview of monday night uh once again uh thanks for waiting until thursday if you're listening in the morning uh to this interview uh, i was very pl- uh, pleased to welcome onto the podcast uh eric struning a gw alum who was present for the game along with cecily dreyfus uh, who was in the student section for the game she's a sophomore uh, colonial army e-board member and i also brought into the conversation uh two wrgw alums and huge gw fans who are uh, in different parts of the country enqua azonye and uh, jordan teller uh, enjoy the conversation. I think it was a really great deep dive into how the team played and what this game meant and how it felt. Um, and hopefully it can bring you back to uh, to one hell of a night. Enjoy. So for part two of this podcast, I'm very, very excited to bring on a panel of people who were both there and watched the game. Uh, and so I'm welcoming onto the podcast right now a GW sophomore, Cecily Dreyfus, uh, Eric Struning, a season ticket holder and GW fan from the class of 09. Jordan Teller, also from the class of 09, living in Los Angeles, or outside of Los Angeles now. And Enqua Azonye, a member of the class of 2013. You'll see him all over ESPN3 and doing all sorts of other great stuff. But Cecily, let's start with you right now. You're a sophomore right now, uh, a member of the Colonial Army. Talk to me about what that experience was like in this uh, in this student center uh, student section with the Colonial Army in this game. Oh, I don't even know where to begin, honestly. So um, I'm actually an e-board member of Colonial Army, so we've been prepping for this game just for an insane amount of time. It was, and even today, I was just in Smith Center essentially all day, like laying down the shirts, blowing up those inflatables you saw, just really getting ready for this game and. We all held hands before and just, like, said a quick prayer right before the game started. We honestly didn't know how it was going to go, but we saw that line around the block before we got there or before the doors opened, and that was just unreal to us. And Smith Center was packed in half an hour, and it was honestly just amazing, the atmosphere, talking about that. But then the game itself got a little worried. They obviously got off to kind of a slow start, UVA opening with a 6-0 run, and that was pretty terrifying. But I just knew. I don't know what exactly about it it was, but I just knew the whole time. I was just like, I really think we can pull ahead from this game. And then just watching Tyler Cavanaugh's impact and Patricio Carino, I think everyone definitely contributed. And just that moment at the end there, 
when it just seemed like this game was over for us, tears started streaming, streaming down all of our faces, and it was really an amazing moment. Eric, I'm going to bring you in right now. I want to give you, ask you to provide some context for this game. You've you've watched, I don't know, what, 10 years now of GW basketball games in the Smith Center. Um, you, Eric, were you present for that game against Charlotte in uh, our freshman year? I, I was. I was dead center in the Colonial Army. Um, you know, it's still one of the highlights of, of my college, uh, of my time in college, and really of my 10 years going to, to GW games, and I think this game really ranks up right with that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about where it ranks later, but really, this was the number six team in the country coming into our house, and you know, I got to give it to the fans. We really held our own there. You know, a lot of times these bigger schools will come in and they'll take over the Smith Center, but really, the fans were rocking. Uh, the Colonial Army was really good tonight. They were on their game. But really, you you look at this team, and, and it's really something special. And I think the fans were sensing that. Um, I, I think, uh, as she said, the, the start was really slow. And I was thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. Another ranked team comes into the Smith Center and just blows us out where we have no chance. And then we started hitting shots, and we started to get it close, and then we started to go ahead, and we were ahead, I think, as, as high as nine points in the first half, and, and they had a little run to cut it at halftime, and then to really cut into the to tie the game in the second half. And I think by the under eight timeout in the second half, you really got a sense that we could do it, and by the under four timeout, you sense that we would do it. And it was just just magical to watch. It was the best I've seen GW play probably since the 0506 team, which was the ranked number six in the country. And and it was just a great game to be at. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll, I'll open up with Enqua right now. Enqua, you you were in you were present for some difficult years for GW basketball. Now you saw the sort of evolution. I guess your senior year was the year that GW went to the NCAA tournament with Mo Creek and Isaiah Armwood. Is that right? Nah, that was the year after I said goodbye. Oh, oh. my gosh. So you, you've got, you've, you've seen some rough, rough years. Cecily just saw this happen as a student. You know, Eric Jordan and I had the opportunity to watch GW really peak in those uh, those two years. Our first two years where we were, we saw years two and three of the Hobbs consecutive NCAA tournaments. For you, what was it like uh, to watch this game and, and see GW have the composure that, that frankly, I would argue GW as a program, especially at home, has lacked for for literally decades. If you look at the if, the, if you look at their their history against ranked teams in the Smith Center. Well, honestly, speaking for myself, and I think of quite a few members of our classes between those years, honestly, I felt a little bit of envy. I couldn't be at the game. I couldn't be there with a press pass. I couldn't be there in any capacity. But on the other side of that, just pure bliss. You know, when you first of all, regarding those years, we still had a few pretty good moments. I think back to my sophomore year against Dayton, Senior day, Jabari Edwards blocking that last second shot to give us the number five seed before St. Joe's totally ruined the party back in 2011. But 
to be able to actually see this take form in the ESPN tip-off marathon where I don't have to scramble to a computer, I don't have to fiddle around on my phone looking for the appropriate feed, and I still had Byron Kerr in on my headphones. There's no shame in my game about that whatsoever. <laughs> but to have that opportunity to sit there in a public place with my GW hat on and be as loud as I wanted to be and dare someone to say something, <laughs> to, to quote Drake in future, what a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time indeed. Jordan, watching the game from where you were, um, talk to me a little bit about your observations from this game and, and what really struck you uh, about this program. Well, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I mean, overall, obviously, but just the, the first impressions when I turned the game on was the atmosphere. I mean, it was like being transported back in time to to our freshman and sophomore years and you know, when Cecily mentioned that people were were um, were around, waiting around the corner for to get into the Smith Center today, I mean, that's what it was like uh, when we were freshmen and sophomores. Um, you know, that's that's what it was like. We had to wait. We waited for hours to get in the Smith Center um, in, in the cold, and it was just it was such a bonding experience for all of us. And then you know, we got to see some great some great basketball. But it was great to see you guys show up like that. Um, made 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 me very proud of the program. Um, and of the student support, I thought it was fantastic. And I mean, I think we obviously played very well. It was our best full game in a very long time. We've been able to put really solid halves out there um, the last couple of years, but we haven't been able to put two solid halves together as well as we did today. Um, and I think that's a really good sign for this team. And the, the coming off the bench, you know, when you have guys like Paul and coming off the bench in the three-point shooting, it's just a huge difference from last year because you didn't have that support off the bench nearly as much, and that cost us a lot of games and pro- probably cost us a trip to the tournament. Um, but, you know, this it's just great to see. But we got to be careful because it's only the second game of the year. So we have a long way to go, um, but this is obviously a great win and, and shows where this team is, is, is now and where it can be um, going forward. No, that's a great point, and, and one of the things that Rob Doster said in, in the interview that he uh, I had with him from NBCSports.com, he, he basically said GW just punched his ticket to the NCAA's, and, and and now he he was very careful to say that that this is assuming that GW does what GW is capable of doing over the course of the the rest right. of the season, and he said that included going probably thirteen and five in the Atlantic Ten. Um, but what I will say. And I was sitting courtside when I was working for the athletic department against Butler, against mm-hmm. Kansas State, mm-hmm. against all sorts of other games. Um, GW found a way to lose that game. They would they would lose their composure and they would allow another team back in. And 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 you know, hand to God, when we had six men on the court yeah. <laughs> and we got, we got nailed for six guys on the court, it brought back all of those Dayton memories. Oh. It brought back all of those memories. Of of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, but that that weird moment aside, Cecily, I'll start with you. You know, there was a level of composure from this program that I don't think I've ever seen before, and 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 and, and I I really mean that. You know, they had more composure that you know because there was a lot going after them during this game. Uh, the Wichita State game was a very strong game. The Creighton game was a very strong game, but. You know, UVA was a higher-ranked team than any of those teams that they faced in the past, and, and, and frankly, I'm not sure that there that either of those t- two teams were as talented top to bottom as this Virginia team can be. Cecily, what was it like to realize that that GW was going to hold on against this team? 
I mean, I I just think the word bliss and the words like elation and all of those come to mind because like I completely agree with your point about composure. I mean, no matter how hard UVA beat us up, and I mean that in the most literal sense, no matter how hard they beat us up, we just held our ground. We were there. We were ready. We we knew. We, I know that there obviously had to have been a huge amount of preparation going into this game, and that really shined through because they just were so well put together. And that moment where you just realize when Tyler Cavanaugh was taking those last free throws at the end there, everyone was just overjoyed. Eric, we'll, we'll go back to you. Um, talk to me. You were I actually saw you on the ESPN broadcast oh, for cool. a portion of the game. Um, describe the experience of seeing the, the Colonial Army in action and, and talk to me just a little bit about the, the in-game atmosphere. Oh, it was awesome. But, you know, you mentioned when they had six men on the court, and all I could think about then was – Oh my God! Jim Calhoun is broadcasting the game. Is it the curse of Carl Hobbs again? <laughs> it was like Carl Hobbs was back. Come on! Since really, I mean, how many times can that happen to really one program? But luckily, they they pulled it through. And to go on the crowd, it, it was awesome. Um, you know, I actually screwed up. I thought the game was at seven instead of seven thirty, so I got there at around 6 o'clock, and the student section was already packed, an hour and a half before the game, and I love to see that. And, you know, they were energetic, chanting, cheering the entire game. You know, uh, sometimes in these big games, you know, the the crowd will be out of it, and they really, really kept in, and I think the players always feed off the crowd, and when they're screaming their heads off, the players sense it, and they play harder. And they want to hit the shots, and and that's really what they did. And it was a great electric atmosphere. And and when you know when before Kavanaugh hit those free took those free throws, the place was just going wild because we knew what was going to happen. UVA fans were already moving toward the door, and and it was the best I've seen the Smith Center in in almost ten years. And quite. I'll, I'll ask you this because one of the things that's been very interesting to me is, you know, if you follow a, a college athletics team very closely, you can have, I think, what are you know, not just in terms of what's happening on the basketball court, but in terms of like the sense of the program and the momentum, something that resembles a mood swing. You know, Keith and Savage had just transferred. GW had lost a handful of like really, really important recruiting battles. Um, and and frankly, you know, after losing Keithan and and seeing a handful of players who had been linked to GW decide to go to other programs, I would say that about three months ago, four months ago, there was this sense that maybe GW was in trouble as a program. And then a few months, about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, uh, Darnell Rogers commits to the program, Shantae's son. And then Kevin Marfo commits to the program. And then we've got Toro committing to the program. And suddenly GW has what is arguably the best recruiting class under the Mike Lonergan era coming into this program. And then next thing you know, GW opens up this weekend with a a, a decent, uh, not necessarily the most clean win, but a decent win over Lafayette. And, And suddenly this win over UVA. And Qua, you follow this team very closely. You're very engaged with the program. What would be your sense of the health of the George Washington basketball program right now, especially after a win like this against uh, UVA? Oh, GW basketball is back. 
There's there's no doubt about it, and there's really no other way to say it. I mean, what people fail to understand, both on the men's and women's side of the ball, is that this is the healthiest that both sides have been since 2007. And if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, or at least me reading the history books, 2007 was the last time both the men and women went to the NCAA tournament, and I think they're poised right. to do that all over again. And I think yeah, the most women went to Sweet 16 thing, that year. Yeah, they did. We had some good times in Atlantic City that year, Dave. Uh, Jordan, this is a family (laughs) Oh, my Lord. But I I think the most important thing when we look at what plagued the program and how they came back is straight resilience. Because Eric mentioned it before, sometimes the GW fan base, and it rubs off on the players as well, has a feeling of, oh, no, here we go again. This is going to happen again. It just wasn't meant to be. It's not in the cards for the buff and blue. And they stuck it out. I mean, if we look over the tape of this game, which I'm pretty sure we're going to go over in greater detail, this wasn't the prettiest win in any way, shape, or form. Many of the points we got were second chance points, hustle points, off of really broken plays. And I'm pretty sure in the film room tomorrow, Coach Lonergan is going to look at those plays and go, okay, we can't execute like this during the A-10 season and expect to contend for the A-10 title, much less the NCAA tournament. But they fought their way out. They fought their way out against meh calls, against sometimes even themselves. And most importantly, they fought against the other team. And that's the entire battle. It was five on and five. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back against that just slightly, and the reason I'm gonna push back against that is only because I think that, um, you know, uh, you watch a lot of certain basketball teams, and there are very talented basketball teams that that are um, capable of beating up on inferior opponents. I would say the GW, top to bottom, is a less talented basketball team than UVA. Oh sure. Now, now Patricio Garino, Patricio Garino. Is was and Rob Dosser said it the best player on the floor. And then after that, it's Patricio, and then it's Malcolm Brogdon, and then there's a pretty substantial drop off in terms of the players that we saw on that floor last night or tonight. And then I would say that it's Kendall Gill, or not Kendall Gill. What, what what's his real name? What's Gill? Um, Anthony. Kendall Gills. Anthony Gill. Sorry, I'm going back to my old New Jersey Nets heyday. Um, but you know, I, you know, you look at guys like Gill, you look at guys like Parentis, and, and I would say that you know, you put the top five UVA players against the top five GW players, and, and GW maybe gets two guys in the top five, and maybe, and and Garino is one of those top to bottom, you know, in terms of both sides of the floor. But what GW was able to do is they were able to turn this game into a dogfight, and it became a battle of intangibles. It wasn't a battle of, 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 of talent because Patricio Garino just happened to have a nose for the ball. And I would say I don't know how many of his points came from, from you know jump shots and whatever, but he was around the basket. Tyler Cavanaugh was around the basket. Kevin Larson saw broken plays and was able to get the ball to the open man. And you can call that basketball talent. I would call that just the intangibles of composure and uh, and a desire to win. And 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 so you talk about like the film and and everything. I don't think GW will play like that against an A10 team. They did not play like that against Lafayette, but they had to play like that to force UVA into their mess. They decided to not play UVA the way they did in the second half of last year's game, where they decided to try to beat the pack line. They decided to just break apart the pack line. They turned it into a just 
what what's a what what is a more uh pg friendly word of saying cluster you know what i'm trying to go to they, they just turned it into a mess and and they were ready to deal with the mess they were ready to be the ones to clean it up around the basket i i think that gw decided to turn this game into an anomaly and they did it and they did but it that's, successfully. But that's, that's my point but that's, what, that's exactly team. what i'm saying i mean what i'm saying is yeah. when i say it's five on five it's not necessarily talent against talent it's literally turning it into a personal battle and imposing your will, and that's what they did. Right, right, right. And that, you're absolutely right. I'm just saying that – I'm not saying – what I would disagree with is only the point that Mike Lonergan would go to the film and say, guys, we can't do this again. I think every, everyone knows you can't do that again. But I also think that they chose to turn it into something sloppier than good necessar- than necessarily, quote-unquote, good, clean basketball. And, and, and not to say that they played dirty, but to say that they played sloppy, but they made UVA – get stuck in their in the mess that they intentionally created. I think I don't think you're going to see GW basketball play the way they played tonight. Most of the rest of the year. There was a there is a you know, I think I agree with you a little bit, but there was some moments there especially the, early in the first half once they got going where there was some nice ball movement. There was some nice interior passing that passed from Larson to Kavanaugh. There were a couple of them that were really nice actually. Um, and I think that there were moments like that that they can build on, but I think it shows the maturity of this team that they can play different styles. They're not you know, if their game isn't going, they're not just going to fold it, fold up the tent and go home. You know, they, they were able to, to kind of switch styles and, and man up with UVA and really go down the blocks and, and take it to them, which is what they needed to do. And that's something they couldn't do last year, um, especially in the 8-10 season. You know, they would get down and that was it. They couldn't come back. But they, they, they were down, they came back, and then they kept pushing, uh, which I think is a huge, a huge positive coming out of this game. I'm going to now take the uh, opportunity to kind of go around the horn a little bit and uh, do some quick lightning rounds. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, as as succinctly as possible, and Cecily, I'm going to start with you. Tell me what your emotions are right now after this win. Joy, a little bit of fear, looking forward to the future to make sure we get the court build like that again, but definitely just mostly excitement. Cecily, I'm going to get back to you about we'll fill in the court again, but Eric, what are you feeling right now? Well, number one, I'm tired. Uh, it, it's been a long day and, and cheering like that takes a lot out of me. I'm, I'm not as young as I once was, uh, but I'm also, you know, ecstatic and, and euphoric because, you know, I haven't seen a team like this play in a long time and it's, it's really fun to watch. And Quad, what are you feeling? Man, let's just run the table and get the conference play, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jordan, what do you, what, what's what's going through your head? I'm right excited now? and and proud, um, but also anxious for the, what the rest of the season can bring. I mean, I think this season could go really well, and we could really make a push into March, um, you know. But I'm also I have enough experience with this with this team and this program to know that it's not nothing's guaranteed. Um, but I'm excited. I think this was a, a great win, and I really like what I saw. Um, and I'm excited to see you know where they take it. Here's what I'm going to tell you right now. I, I think that something happened in this game. I I think that if you're an A10 coach right now, and 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 you know what, I want to make it absolutely clear, and I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. The injury to EC Matthews is is really depressing because I, I love to see programs fail. I don't love to see programs fail because of injury. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, it, it, you know, something like that happening to a player is just an absolute shame for their, their professional career. And, and it, I just find that stuff to be tragic and unfair. But I will say that there have been times throughout 
the entire time we've watched UW basketball, across two coaches, all of us here, and I would say that a lot of the folks would say across the history of the program, where there have been teams that have been much more talented than they have allowed themselves to play. GW, as long as I watched that game tonight, save for that opening salvo from UVA, GW led for like 30 minutes of this game, and they and they held on. They held on to the lead. They scrapped and clawed and did whatever they needed to do to keep that lead. They didn't do what they used to do under the, the later years of Carl Hobbs and the early years of Mike Lonergan, which is give up a big lead, put together this, some, some sort of magical run to make it a game toward the end, get everyone really excited, and then inevitably fall. That, that's, that's what we saw from GW basketball for so many years. GW took over this game, and they held on to it. And if I am any coach in the Atlantic 10, Okay, if I'm your, if I'm Davidson, if I'm Rhode Island, if I'm BCU, if I'm Dayton, I'm looking at this game and I'm saying, God damn, because GW just realized they can beat good teams. <laughs> the issue with GW has not been, the issue for GW for a long time has been they they knew how to play basketball. I would not, I would not say they knew how to win. And they just proved that they know how we to also... win. And if I'm them, they've you've got to imagine that they've got in immense amounts of swagger. Right we also there. got a lot of lucky then, bounces tonight that, you know, we, they're lucky, but they're also because of how hard they were playing that we weren't getting the last couple of years, you know, those tip-ins that you're just like, how did that go in? That kind of stuff was not happening for us the last couple of years, but it happened tonight because of the way they were playing. And, and, and you know what? I, I think when you know that you have that level of luck, I think what happens from moving forward is that you continue to create that. Luck. Yeah, that's no, I totally saying. agree. That's, uh, my, yeah. that's my point. I, I think that they've gotten their confidence back. We all thought that last year against Wichita State, they found their confidence and they were just going to run with it through the A-10, and, and then they struggled. But I think that confidence is back right now. Looking at these players and the way they played tonight, I, I think the A-10 better look out because you're going to get a confident GW basketball team that can go you know, seven, eight deep. That's the key. That's the Sus- key. Seven, eight deep. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I said that the, the GW had nothing to lose in this game. Uh, in my, and I don't know how many of you guys were able to listen to the episode that we did with previewing this game. Uh, I did not think GW would win this game. I didn't. because And, and, and you know what? I, 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 I'm wrong, and I'm so glad I was wrong. Um, but there is a long pattern of history that says that GW doesn't have the composure to win these games. I definitely they think had that composure. Is our, our collective emotion going into this game? Absolutely. Mm. And so for, for GW to have done what they just did in this game, really everything you know about the GW program, and, and listen, we may look back on this game and say, God, that was a good moment in a, in a, in a crappy season. But you've got to say that, like, for me, it's always felt like there was just this element of GW unable to just climb that last hurdle, you know, to to, to, just, to just get over that last hump to become the program we know they can be. And and I just think that if I'm if I'm Larson, if I'm Garino, if I'm McDonald, if I'm all these guys on this and and the rest of the the, the juniors, sophomores, and freshmen, if I'm those guys, I'm I'm remembering this game and I'm thinking about it for forever, and I'm saying. Damn, if we can do that against that team at that time, playing the way that we did, you know, they only shot five for twenty from three point. You know, they only they they, they had guys in foul trouble all game long. I, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure there's anyone on the on this on this schedule who's necessarily that scary. There's nothing. No one that's and no one that's that scary. But 
I mean, I think you first you got to take it with a grain of salt in a way because you got to you don't want to get to your head too big if you're them if you're the players and you want to know you can play with anyone. But I, this win didn't feel like an empty win. I don't. I, it's hard to explain, but there's been in years past when we've beaten really good teams or teams you weren't supposed to beat. It kind of felt like a fluke. And like, wow, we, we got lucky. This did not feel like a fluke. This did not feel like a lucky win. This feel like we deserved to win. We dominated that game. You know, does right. that make sense? A, a, yeah. lot of, a, a lot of those wins came at the last minute, you know, a at-the-buzzer shot, a, a lot of times against Dayton, in fact. But those were, were lucky wins. Ah. This this we, we led for 30 minutes against the number six team in the country. There's got to be something there. It, it's not yep. a fluke. Yep. And 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 I'll I will say, G or UVA rather did not play like the number six team in the country tonight. Absolutely, not. I will say. True. I I will I will also say though, that um, I you look at that team and you look at what their talent is, and those guys are going to play like the number six team in the country later on this season. And Rob Dosser said the same thing. You know, he said no matter what, even despite this game, Virginia is going to finish their year with a top fifteen RPI. Just by the virtue yeah. of the fact that they're going to have to play Carolina, they're going to have to play Duke, they're playing an aggressive non-conference schedule, they're going out to Cal, and so UVA is going to get their act together. And I think we got them at the right time, and we have to be mindful of the fact that we took advantage of this opportunity. But, uh, you know, so all I'm saying is that this this win is going to look even better as time goes yeah. on. And, and And I just think... If I'm these guys, I'm going to look back on this win over the course of the season when the going gets tough, and I'm going to say, you know what? We found it in ourselves to beat these beat those guys. We can beat these this guys. This is the type of that's, win that puts you on the right side of the bubble. Exactly. Yeah. Without, without question. Without question. Cecily, it's time to put put you on the spot because, you know what? I actually didn't know that you were a member of the Colonial Army e-board until we got on this call. <laughs> what are What are your thoughts about what, you know, I'll put it this way to you right now, okay? What I saw from the Colonial Army tonight was unlike I, anything I had seen from the Colonial Army in a decade. And I, and I mean that. Do you think that this is something that you guys are going to be able to sustain this throughout the season? I mean, I definitely think there's a certain allure to coming to games after you see something like that. But we put in a ridiculous amount of effort into getting people out of this game out to this game and it definitely paid off i mean we hung up 150 posters last night alone we were out there on social media posting constantly getting this game in people's heads inviting thousands of people on facebook to the event and i i definitely think those are efforts that can be sustained but the question is whether or not people are going to show out like this when the opponent isn't number six uva it's you know some Seton Hall team or some other team. Ouch. Burn Seton Hall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like You're talking already. to two Jersey people. So. <laughs> New York, so if my bias was Rutgers or Rutgers or something, yes. you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on. You guys are such haters. You're all um, haters. No, um, Cecily, I um, I hear what you're saying, and, and I will say this. Um, you, you have you are now part of an e-board of an organization uh, that has uh, hundreds, if not thousands of people rooting for you guys right now. Um, and, um, and, and please, you know, there's not a lot that I necessarily can do uh, from California uh, to compel and knock on doors in Thurston Hall and get freshmen out to the game when they'd rather be watching West Wing reruns on Netflix. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I, um, I, I, you've got, you've got my vote of support. 
Uh, I'm going to do everything I can to try to create that vibe for you guys. And uh, I believe in you. I believe in the work you're doing. I believe in the experience that you guys had. And uh, I'm really hoping that you guys can take this leverage and make it something. I appreciate that a lot. I mean, there's definitely certain amazing feeling that comes when you see ESPN tweeting about the colonial armies yep. out in full force. That was you know? pretty cool. Like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was something. <laughs> we we definitely cool. have good history with ESPN2 now. We do. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's a fact. And we're going to be right, on TV guys. a lot this year, too. So, I mean, you can use yeah, that, use that like to your advantage. 16 nationally televised games. Yeah. Yep, yep. Fire up the DVRs. Uh, to, to, to the East Coast folks here, I know it's almost time for Betty Bye. It's almost midnight on your end. Uh, let's go around the horn really quick. And, uh, Cecily, who's your player of the game? I got to go with Tyler Cavanaugh. I think that he was a contributor in a big way. I think you've been hearing his name even since he came on campus, but I think he really showed his worth tonight, even amidst all the foul, the foul troubles, even with the offense-defense substitutions. I thought he really just pushed his way into the game, but that's not to disparage anyone else on the team, and certainly not Pato, who was the player of the game. Eric Struning, player of the game. Uh, I got to go with two. I, I love what I saw from uh, Garino, but Paul Jorgensen coming off the bench – with 10 points, he had a, a couple of great, uh, great baskets there, and he really, really gave us that that jolt of energy off the bench. And you know, Prince Harry from Harlem is here. And qua. To me, it's going to Tyler. Player of the game. Tyler Kavanaugh, eight of eight from the charity stripe, the two ice ones to seal the deal. Close second goes to Kevin Larson for stuffing the stat sheet. Nine point seven boards, five assists. Jordan. I mean, I think there were a lot of guys. Obviously, Garino and Larson were great, and Kavanaugh was great. But I, I totally agree with Eric. I think Paul Jorgensen was huge tonight. Um, I mean, he just hit a couple threes at just key moments to either give us a lead or, or extend the lead or keep us right there in the game. And I think that was so huge. And I think he, like that sick crossover he had was just nasty. Um, and I, I just love watching him play. You know, I'm going to have to go with uh, with Larson myself, and, and not necessarily. I think he was the second or the third best player of the game. But here's what I here's why I will say that Larson was the player of the game. Last year, Kevin Larson played like Dookie against the University of Virginia. I mean, he was fundamentally embarrassed. And, 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 and I say that in a way that I think Mike Lonergan would agree. I think most people who watch that game would agree. Kevin was killed by the double team this time he turned it into five assists which translates to at least 10 points okay he also was able to get seven boards when i think he i think he had like two points and three boards or three boards and two points in the game last year two of six from the field five of six from the charity stripe he was able to fight to get to the line he was able to fight on the boards you know tied for the lead on the team with rebounding the nine points and only two turnovers and five assists in 36 minutes. He stayed on the floor. He played well. He really minimized the impact that Mike Toby had in this game. Uh, Kevin Larson is my player of the game, if only because he, more than anyone, needed to be able to have that level of vengeance after the way he was shut down last time. So uh, cheers to this entire team. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I am currently joined 
by Cecily Dreyfus, Enqua Sonye, Eric Struding, and Jordan Teller. And uh, I'll give everyone one last chance. Cecily, final thoughts. Uh, I'm just amazed at what this team had to put together. I'm so uh, thrilled by everyone's turnout, and I hope we can continue to do this for the rest of the season. Eric? Keep it up. Keep it up. If you build a winning team, people will come, players will come, the attention will come. Keep it up. And end quote. Said it once, I'll say it again. Bring on conference season, boy. We good. <laughs> Jordan, what do you got? I agree. I, I think we're good, and I'm excited for this year. Uh, Cecily, keep up the good work. Um, I, I think you can't underestimate how important um, the environment and and things like the the atmosphere at the games night on TV is going to help recruiting. Um, I, I don't think you can underestimate that, and I think you guys play a really big role um, and, and keep up the good work. We're really proud, and you know I can't wait to see what's next. All right, I'm going to ask one last crazy question. All right. George Washington plays South Florida on Thursday in Tampa, okay? And then they've got Army on Sunday. If GW wins those two games, are we looking at a ranked GW team on Monday morning? Mm. Yes. I want to say I want to say yes. We will, yes at, sure. we will at least be also receiving votes. Yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, We'll definitely be in that. At, at least receiving I am going to say it. I'm going to say it. A 4-0 GW team will be the number 23 team in the wow. country on Monday. I hope you're right. I hope wow, you're right. specific, but I love it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my call. That's what I'm Could going you, with, and that's if, what I'm sticking with. If we have a men's and women's it. team ranked at the same time, I mean, that that would be amazing. It would be incredible. That's again yes. a first and yes. so seven, isn't it? Yeah, uh, gotta I, be. I don't think the men's team was ranked that year. I'm gonna have to say 0506. Yeah, because 07 was yeah, kind of a shock that we won that A10 tournament. Yeah, yeah, we won the A10 tournament, but 0506, we won um, the women's A10 tournament. Yep. Um, and I think we were ranked in the top 25. Yep. That's a fact. All right, guys. Once again, Cecily Dreyfus, Jordan Teller, Eric Sterning, and Enqua Asonye. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your support, especially to you, Eric, and Cecily, who were there for the game. Enqua and Jordan, thanks for jumping on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on the game. This is Hail to the Buff. Hail to the Buff is found on Twitter at Hail to the Buff. H-A-I-L-T-O-T-H-E-B-U-F-F. I'm very proud I can spell that <laughs> after all the celebrating I've done in this game. Uh, and uh, follow us on the SoundCloud. All of these podcasts are downloadable, so if you want to go back in time, please feel free. And uh, let's let's see how this ride goes. This has been an absolute blast, guys. Thank you so much for your time and uh, raise high. Raise high.